How many of you have been enjoying the Olympics? Anybody? Some of you, you've been watching the Olympics. There's something about the Olympics, isn't there? Like there's something that as you sit in your home and as you watch, it is motivating. It is inspiring. It is sometimes breathtaking. I don't know if you watched last night. I'm in my bedroom. I call my wife and I'm like, this is Michael Phelps' last race. And so we want to watch. And the guy that does the first leg, of the, it's the bachelor. He sets a, a world record. It's just, it's like, oh, is it not inspiring? Yes? Now be honest. Is there a part of you that goes, I could do that? <laughs> just be honest. Like as you're sitting there, right, you're wa- and you're thinking to yourself, I could be, no, no way, just, just for a second, bear with me. Like isn't there something inside of you that just says, dude, I may not get the gold, but I could compete, right? Anybody? Is there any? Am I the only one? Am I the, there's some of you that go, dude, I could compete. I could do that. I, I could be. And it's true. For some of us, man, that, that's the case. Um, I shared this with the teachers as well. Teachers, if you were here on Friday, bear with me. It's not the same message, but I'm using this little opener, okay? I promise. Um, I'm sitting in my house last week watching the Olympics. And as, as the Olympics are coming on, the actor, Bill Murray, Everybody know Bill Murray? He, he puts up on Instagram a post, and this is what he says. Every Olympic, every Olympic event should include one average person competing for reference, right? Because though, listen, though we think we could compete, though we think, listen, I, sh- I told you, I could be Michael Phelps. Come on, let's go. Ready? Here we- if I really, j- there's no chance There's no chance in the world that I would even come close to competing with Michael Phelps or any Olympic athlete if we're serious. So then I begin to wonder, if I couldn't do swimming, what event, what event could I compete in? What event could I go for the golden? Just think about this. What event could you go for the golden? What event? I know what you're thinking when you look at me. And you look at this physique, diving would be an option, right? I would hit that water and boom, no splash at all. Maybe as you look at me, you go, huh, he's a power lifter. I know. How's, that's right. How's this shirt make me look this morning? I think you look good. Listen, what event, as I was thinking, what event could I medal in? I began to think, you know what? Maybe, listen, if we're honest, there's no Olympians in this room. If there are, listen, you'd be in Rio. You wouldn't be here. There's no Olympians in this room. And then as I was thinking, I was like, wait a minute. Maybe we're Olympians in different areas. We may not be, listen, we may not be swimming or gymnastics. We may not be uh, uh, soccer or, or table tennis call it ping pong, um, but, but maybe we're Olympi- Olympians in different areas. For instance, maybe, just maybe, you've been preparing, you've been, listen, you've been pushing for the gold in the areas such as dishwasher loading and lawn mowing. Maybe, maybe you're an Olympian in a different area. Maybe you're an Olympic uh, athlete in the area of clothes folding 
and toilet bowl cleaning. You see, in this room, I'm sure we have some everyday Olympians. I'm sure that in this room we have some some men and women that compete at the highest level every single day. Now, I'm not trying to be funny. Some of you, listen, you are gold medal winners at at being the the behind-the-scene guy or girl. That in your organization, it would not function, it would not move if it weren't for your dedication to doing the best that you could possibly do, no matter what your job is. And you do it without complaining. You do it without arguing. You do your job and you're a gold medal winner. Some of you in this room, hear me. You're a gold medal winner at storytelling. You can sit a little kid on your lap and they are riveted and they hang on every word that you say. You're a gold medal winner. Some of you in this room, you're gold medal winning moms who work diligently day in and day out to take care of the the heaping mounds of laundry. If you're a dad that does laundry, good job. Um, But you you take care of the dishes. You you clean. You get your kids ready for school. You're cooking dinner. You're doing, you're a gold medal mom. And I say thank you. Some of you are gold medal winning dads who get up every day and go to work to provide for your family, to do what it is that God has called you to do, to be the husband that leads, to be the father that disciplines. True story. I was on the phone with my dad this week, and I pulled into my house, and I said, Dad, I got to go. Apparently, I had some kids that were misbehaving, and I got to go deal with some discipline. You're a gold medal dad. Doing the hard things now. A gold medal dad. Some of you, listen, you're, you're gold medal teachers. You're gold medal lawyers and doctors. You are doing everything for the cause of Christ and you're giving it your all. So then I'm left to think, okay, Luke, well, what am I a gold medal? What am I gold meddling in? Was that, uh, what am I going to get a gold medal in? And then I started to think. There is probably one event that I think I could get a gold medal in. And as I began to ponder that, as I began to think about that, I, something struck me. That though I believe there's one area that I could probably gold medal in, that I could place in, I thought there might be some stiff competition. You might be thinking, Luke, what in the world, what, what event could you possibly get the gold in? Well, I brought something to help me because I'd like to settle this once and for all this morning. You see, I think that I could compete as the diaper-changing daddy of all time. But as I thought about that, I was like, wait a minute, there might be somebody who could give me a run for my money, Mark Seville. You see, he's got eight kids and I've got seven. And I think we should settle the score now. Because I think I could beat you. Where's Mark? Where's he at? I think I could take you, dude. You in, for a little, you in for a little showdown, buddy? Hey, gold medal daddy changing diaper challenge. Me versus you right here, right now. Oh, he's in. He's in. Hey, I'll let you even pick which stool you want, dude. You can pick which stool. Yeah. 
You're good right there? Well, here's, here's the rules. Got to give you a couple rules because in the Olympics, there's some rules, right? Oh, you can't touch the doll before we start. That's preemptive diaper changing daddy rule number one. You can't do that. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand back to back. Somebody in the audience is going to say go because if you say it, you'll have a head start. All right? I think I'm faster than you too. Better looking. All right, here's the rules. All you have to do is get the diaper on. Got it? Are we really doing this in church right now? <laughs> We're really doing this. All right, I need somebody. Who's going to be my go person? I need somebody. John Wilson. Whoa, Ben, calm it down. We don't want any false starts. John Wilson's going to give us go. He's going to say, on your mark, get set, go. All right? Wait, are you ready for this? I'm a little nervous. I'm starting to sweat. You got eight. I only got seven, so you got one up on me. All right, here we go. John Wilson, it's on you. On your mark. Get set. Go. Whoa. Whoa. No. <laughs> what did he do? Get on. Open up. Done. Yes. 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 Gold medal diaper changing daddy. Mark Seville, I love you. He was practicing. I even told him, listen, you're not coming up on stage. We're not really doing it, dude. He did it. Hey, diaper-changing daddies. I don't know why I just did that. Uh, Listen, we're going to bring it back. I promise there's a point. I promise. You see, as you watch the Olympics, listen, as you are inspired as you are watching and seeing their gifts and their talents and the accomplishments, I couldn't help but think, what about me? You see, I may not be an Olympic athlete, but listen to me. I claim to be a Christ follower. So the question is, am I living an Olympic Christian life every single day? Let's pray this morning. Father, we we laugh. We have a good time. And I think that's okay. But Lord, it's time to get down to your word. And Lord, I pray that this morning we would evaluate our hearts, our lives, God, to see, are we truly being the Olympic Christian? Are we living our lives in such a way that it is so above reproach that the world around us understands and sees the difference you've made in us? And Lord, I pray that this morning you would begin to soften the hearts of the men and women here this morning. We'll give you the praise and glory for what you do. It's in your precious and holy name that I pray, amen. So this morning, how do we live? How do we run this Christian life? I wanna give you three simple uh, deals this morning, three simple principles, how to run the Olympic Christian life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to a very famous passage. It's Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start in verse 1. In fact, it's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I love to be inspired. Um, I, I love to try to inspire people. But God's word is the most inspiring thing. Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 1, we'll read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This morning, 
if we're going to run, if we're going to compete at an Olympic level in this thing that we call life, the first thing that we have to do is recognize. You have to recognize. Luke, what is it that you want me to recognize? Listen, you've got to recognize this. There are men and women who've already done it. There's men and women who have already run the race. They've already competed. They have set for us the example. It's funny, the older I get, the more I realize, (laughs) this is so hard for me to say, that mom and dad were right. (laughs) No, mom. Listen, as a dad, watch. Isn't there, aren't there times that when you're watching your children do something, that as a parent you begin to go, listen, don't do that. And the reason that you say that to them is because you know, you know as a parent, you've been through it. You have the wisdom. And you go, listen, I know you think jumping on the bed is fine. In just one of you it might be. But when all seven of you begin to jump on one bed, it's not fine. There is going to be some pain. There's going to be some hurting. And so as a parent, I say, hey, listen, don't jump on the beds. And there's wisdom. And the reason we share that with our kids is because we want them to heed our advice. We want them to learn from our example and maybe mistakes that we've made in our life. And so when you read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the men and women who've already done it, in fact, Hebrews chapter 11, which precedes chapter 12, is what we call the great hall of faith. It's the men and women through the Bible that their faith was evident. It was displayed on a grand scale. And as you read about it, it's there for us, listen, not to just applaud and go, hey, way to go, Abraham, you were faithful. But it's to go, listen, if Abraham was faithful, man, I can be faithful. And as you begin to realize in life that there are men and women who have done this before, you see, we get to learn from their example and hopefully incorporate what you've learned into your life. You say, well, Luke... You're crazy. Because when you read the Hall of Faith, it's a bunch of men and women who, man, they lived in a different time, a different day and age. Don't you know what's going on in our world today? Christianity's not popular, and and there's a whole lot of wrong stuff that's going on. We live in in an evil and uh, a sin-soaked world, and I would say you're right. You're absolutely right. But here's what I know. As much as things change, they stay the same. And I would say to you that our world is no different than in the time when you think of a guy by the name of Noah who's in that hall, right? The world is completely wicked. In fact, he's the only one that's being righteous to where God says, hey, listen, I need you to obey me and build a boat. And through the faithfulness out of obedience, when a world is absolutely at odds against God, one man said, hey, I'm gonna obey God and build a boat. So hear me, why do I share that? Because listen, There's been people that have gone on before us. They've done it. To which would then leave you with this. Who's in your life right now that's already run a good portion of the race? That's set an incredible example. And are you allowing them to speak into your life? Uh, I don't say this to brag, but listen, I, I need people in my life. 
I need examples in my life. I have a meeting this next week with a man that I believe God has placed in my life to help continue to guide me and grow me. Why? Because he's already seen so much more than I've seen in this world. And he's been through so much more. Listen, we've got to recognize that there are men and women that have already done this. But not only do we need to recognize that, hear me, we need to recognize that people are watching. There's people watching us and how we run this race called life. You see, if we claim with our mouths that we're Christ followers, but, but we don't live it by our actions and our lifestyle, we actually hurt the cause of Christ. We actually hinder the cause of Christ. And, and, and hear me, I understand that God is in control and that he can do anything that he wants, but I choose to believe that I believe this is accurate, that I have some human responsibility to obey the truths of God's word. And if I just verbalize it with my mouth, I not live it out by my lifestyle. I'm the greatest form of atheism in this world today. And so listen, we need to recognize, number one, yes, there's been men and women that have gone on before us. But number two, recognize that people are watching. You might say, well, well Pastor Luke, I don't believe that in Hebrews chapter 11, those, those seasoned saints, those faithful men and women, I don't believe that they're up in heaven looking down on us. And they may not be. You may 100, be 100% right on that. But here's what I do know. They may not be, but there's people in this world watching. There's people watching every move you make. There's people watching everything you say and everything you do. You see, the the question isn't, are people watching? The question is, is, how are you living? Are you living above reproach? In everything? You see, it's easy to say, oh, I live above reproach. It's a hard thing to do. But let me ask you, men, are you living above reproach in every area of your life? When you come home from work and your wife isn't home, the kids are gone, are you living above reproach? Are you making sure that the things that go into your eyes are holy and righteous? Are you living above reproach? Ladies, when you're out with your friends at the store or out getting whatever, are you above reproach in the, in the things that you talk about? You see, the, the, the deal is, is that there are people watching. And you say, oh, no, Pastor Luke, there's times that I'm all, I'm all alone. No. No, somebody's always watching. I share with our students, and this is important to me, I remember the very first time that I said it. I told it to Dakota Briscoe privately. But I pulled him aside. I think it was his junior year of high school, maybe the beginning of his senior year. But I looked at him and I said, Dakota, here's the deal, dude. I love you, but my children are watching you. My children are watching the example that you make at this school in our youth group. And not just my kids, but all a lot of kids. And I would say to you, church, Our families are watching how you live. But not just our families, the world is watching how you live your life. Oh, Luke, Luke, you don't understand. There's times that people aren't watching. That's what this one lady thought. She thought she was all alone. In fact, maybe you saw this on the the internet. She was walking down the street on the sidewalk. There was a house that had a little concrete wall dividing it between the street and their house. And as she walked by that little concrete wall, a cat jumped up on the, well, actually, I think I've got it. Check this out. Now, I know what you're thinking. Luke, it was a cat. I know. I know. I'm just kidding. If you're a cat lover, I'm just kidding. Here's what she thought. No one's watching. 
By the way, that, that actually happened. I looked it up. Do you know that there's actual criminal investigation being placed on that woman? They're going to charge her with animal cruelty. That cat spent 17 hours in that, oh, in the garbage can. They're placing, they found the lady, they're placing charges or they're charging her with animal cruelty. Now listen to me. Somebody's always watching. Somebody's always watching, and if it's not us, listen, God's always watching. Are you living your life above reproach? Are you, are you giving it your all in every area? You see, we need to recognize, church, that if we're going to run this thing, if we're going to run in this race called Christianity in life, we've got to recognize, yes, that there's been men and women that have given us a great example on how to run. Uh, one of the best examples that we could ever see is found in the Word of God. But number two, we listen, we've got to recognize that that there are people that are watching. And, and then number three, not, not only are there people watching. Oh, actually, hold on. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Turn with me real quick. Keep your finger in Hebrews chapter 13. Flip over to Philippians. Just a couple of pages to the, to the left. Um, Philippians chapter 2. You see, you might think that nobody's watching you, but somebody's also always watching. I, I want to read to you what Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. We read this. Actually, I'm going to start in verse 14. No, start in verse 12. I don't have 12 on the screen, but start in verse 12. It says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not also in, as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Verse 14, do all things without grumbling or, or disputing that you may be blameless in innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in this world. Did, did, did you see what he said there? Keep going. Verse 16, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be I may be um, proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. You see, Paul says to the church, listen, listen, don't just obey God when I'm around. Don't just obey God when I'm around. Obey him all the time. See, God's always watching. Do you you know what happens is we live our life differently when we think nobody's watching. We do. Remember when you were a little kid and you were sitting at the dining room table and mom or dad said that dreaded statement, you're going to finish what's on your plate. Remember that? You can remember it was lima beans. I hated them. But they would say, oh, you're going to finish that. And then if you started to complain, you remember the, what the next phrase was? You want another scoop? But listen, as long as mom and dad sat at the table, what happened? You suffered through it. You grinned and bare it, and you just, you ate. If you were like me, you asked for more drink, because I was swallowing those puppies whole. I didn't want to taste them. But here's what happens. As long as mom and dad are there, you're doing that. But if mom and dad get up, what do you do? Hey, where's the dog? If you got a brother or sister, what do you do? You get some over there on their plate. The idea is is that if they're not looking, if they're not watching, your behavior oftentimes changes. Hey, church, listen. God's always watching. 
And our behavior, our actions should match up with what we say. If you're a Christ follower, run your race and run it the same every single day. See, we've got to also recognize that, listen, there's going to be some hindrances in your life. There's going to be some hardships. Again, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Some of your versions may say, and the sin that so easily entangles. Do you know what I know? Hey, listen, there's going to be some hindrances in your life. There's going to be some hardships. There's going to be some struggles. There's going to be some challenges in your life. A hindrance is something that keeps you from your goal. Watch this. Here's what he says. The the author of Hebrews, we don't necessarily know who it is, says, let us also lay aside every weight. In order to lay aside something, watch this, it takes work. So many people think, well, you know what, I'm just going to lay that over to God, and God's just going to take care of it, and God's got my back, and listen, he does, he's God. But again, there's going to be some work involved. You've got to lay them aside. We, we, share, we sang the song, Lord, I lay me down. That may require some work. It might mean that you've got to change some behaviors in your life, and that could be really tough. In my home with seven kids, it's inevitable. My wife will say to me from time to time, hey, Luke, Caden fell asleep on the couch. Can you go lay him in his bed? Okay. No problem with Caden. He's five. Take him over to his room, lay him down. Watch. It still took work. It still took effort. I have to do something. And here's what I know. Sometimes those hindrances, sometimes that weight gets heavier and heavier and heavier. If my oldest son, Landon, falls asleep on the couch and Liz says, hey, can you put him in the bed? Landon, get up. Why? That dude's heavy. And it takes work to pick him up and he's almost as big as me. And so, listen, to carry him into the room and his bunk bed is not just a normal bunk. He's, a, he's up and, and I would have to like, I, power lifter, uh, I would have to, uh, no, it takes, some of us, listen, you know why we don't lay down our weight? You know why we don't lay down the hindrances? Here's why, it takes too much work. But here's what happens As you begin to run your race, as you begin to live out your life for the cause of Christ, if you don't lay your hindrances down at the beginning of your race, listen, your running, your sprinting is going to turn to jogging, your jogging is going to turn to walking, your walking is going to turn to crawling, and eventually you're going to stop running because of the weight of the hindrances in your life. And we haven't even started with the sin yet. You see, he says, let us lay aside every weight. And then he says, and the sin. It's interesting that article, the, is singular in the Greek. Here's what I know. Some of us in this room, before we even begin to race, listen, you can't get into the race without dealing with sin. Do you understand that, what I'm saying? You can't run for the cause of Christ if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
and his death, burial, and resurrection and the atoning work of, his, of him on the cross of Calvary with his shed blood to deal with my sin problem. You see, you can't run as a Christ follower if you first don't get in the game by accepting Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So listen, some of us in here, listen, we've been running a long time. And we think we're doing everything well. We come to church and, man, I, I, I'm doing my good deed. I, I went to church and, and I read my Bible and, and I, I pray at every meal. And, and then, you know, um, okay, great. But have you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ? You see, that's what this is really all about. You've got to recognize that, yes, there's going to be some hindrances in your life. There's going to be some hardships. Are you willing to to lay them down? Are you willing to run with everything that you've got? Number one, we've got to recognize. Number two, I've got to go fast. Number two, listen, if we're going to live this Olympic Christian life, we have to run. You have to run. No, nobody gets into a race. They get into those starting blocks. The, the, the starter says, take your mark. Nobody gets into those blocks, gets down and gets in their stance. And when the gun goes off, nobody doesn't, nobody just stands there. They run. They go. They give it all that they've got because they want to do something. What do they want to do? They want to win. They want to win. Last night, again, I was watching the Olympics, watching the guys run the 400-meter dash. And really, that's what it was. There's a guy. He's running for all he's worth. He didn't qualify. Devastated. Because why? He wanted to win. Everybody wants to win. I get that. Here's the question. Are you running in a way to win? Are you running in a way that people go, man, they're giving it all that they've got. The writer of Hebrews tells us exactly how to run. Look at, look at, uh, go, go back. He says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What is endurance? Let me give you the definition. It means to hold out against, to sustain without impairment or, unyield, or, or yielding. Undergo. To bear without resistance with patience. It means continuing even when everything inside of you says to stop. Listen, I know. I know it doesn't look like it. I try to run. I try. Every now and then. Not very often. Because here's why. When I run, everything inside of me says, what are you doing? Why are you running? Why are you putting your body through this pain? And I go, oh, I don't, Calvin, I don't want to run anymore. Calvin, I just want to stop. Listen, some of us have stopped running. We've stopped fighting the good fight. Nowhere in the word of God does it say that this fight's going to be easy. It's a battle. It's a war. And it's raging. And some of us, we haven't been running with endurance. And here's why. We've been carrying around the weight with us. 
We've got to start letting go of some of the things in our life so that we can run with endurance. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, Paul says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Hey, Christian, listen. Are you putting in the work that it requires to run the race? Luke, it it takes work to run? Yes. Hard work. Those Olympic athletes that you're watching win gold medals, listen, it is their life. They train relentlessly because it takes work. The Christian life takes work every day. Diving into the word of God. It takes work. Listen, number one, we've got to recognize. Number two, uh, actually, listen, here's why it takes work. The race. Do you know what the word race is? in Greek, actually means? It means agony. The race is not a luxurious race. It's filled with agony. It's hard. It takes self-discipline. Number three, we also have to remember. See, if we're going to run, if we're going to compete at the highest level, we need to remember. Remember what, Luke? Remember the inspiration of Jesus. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Listen, as you run, remember the inspiration of Jesus. Another way of saying that is this. Focus on the champion. Focus on the champion. Here's what I mean. Anytime that there is a new phenom, phenom in the area of basketball, who is he always compared to? Michael Jordan. Why? Because he, he set the standard. He set the bar. He is the champion. Listen to me, Christian. As you run, and as you run this race, and you begin to get tired, as you begin to suffer through this life journey, and there are going to be hardships, there are going to be such roadblocks, that listen, you're going to have to depend on God, because only God is going to be the one who's able to move mountains for you. But as you run, listen, remember the influence, the inspiration of Jesus. Here's why. He's our champion. He's conquered sin. In death, he ran the race. The victory has been won. Remember that. Remember the inspiration of Jesus. Listen, fixing your eyes on him. Do you know what it means to fix your eyes? I was trying to think of a clever way to illustrate this, and here's all I could come up with. In my home, <laughs> don't judge me, in my home, my TV is hung on the wall with a fixed mount. It doesn't swivel to the right or to the left. It's fixed. 
in one place. That's the idea of this verse. Looking unto Jesus, fixing your eyes on him, keeping him as your primary focus as the distractions come streaming by. We don't lose sight and get focused on them. No, our eyes are fixed firmly in one place. At who? Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. And have your eyes fixed on Jesus as you run. Lastly, listen, remember, not only, the, not only the inspiration of Jesus, but lastly, remember the cost. Remember the cost. Watch this. If you're a Christ follower, you've done nothing for your salvation. But there was a heavy price. Look at verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. You're right. We're still here. But Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. Because sin had left a crimson stain, but he, he washed it white as snow. Amen? You see, he paid the ultimate price so that we could now run this race. Let's pray. Father, nobody said that this race would be easy. But Lord, I pray that we would be men and women, that we would be the body of Christ that recognizes that there are people who have gone on before us, Lord, that there are people watching how we are running God, we need to run in such a way that brings you glory and you honor. God, we need to run with a life that's above reproach in every area. That's what you've called us to. God, may we never forget the price that was paid so that we could run. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, hey, Luke, you know what? I'd like to start running that race. Today, I'd like to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ because I recognize that if I were to die today without knowing Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I'd spend eternity separated from a holy God in a real place called hell. And you would say, today, I'd like to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, and today, I'd like to start running that race. In just a second, we're gonna start singing. If that's you, you'd like to come down and talk with me or Pastor Steve or a couple of our elders. You do that. Or maybe, maybe you're here and you say, Luke, I've been running for a long time. By the way, Luke, when do I stop running? Not until Jesus takes you home or until he comes back. You keep running. But maybe you've been running and you say, you know what? There's some stuff that's been holding me back. There's been some weight. There's been some sin that I need to deal with. Maybe that's you this morning because today you say, I want to be an Olympic Christian. I want to be a gold medal winner for the cause of Christ. Maybe that's you and you say, I'd just like to come down here and have somebody pray with me. So I don't know where you fit. I don't know where you're at in your life. But as we play, as we sing, some decision you need to make, you come.